Hi, my name is Charles Hefner on program staff. You're listening to week six of False Creek Podcast. The speaker for week six was Shane Pruitt, and we had 5,061 students in attendance. Enjoy. Yes. Hey, man, how are we, False Creek? Is everybody good? Awesome. Won't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you got to sit by me. Tell them that. All right, turn into your Bibles, into Acts chapter 19. If you have your copy of God's Word, and I hope that you do, look at Acts chapter 19, starting at verse 11. And tonight we're going to talk about the mystery of following Jesus. Last night we talked about who Jesus is. Tonight we're going to talk about the mystery of following Jesus. And tonight uh, it's going to be one of those where we're going to look at one of my favorite stories in Scripture because it's kind of funny, but it's also very intense. And if you got something to write on, go ahead and get that out tonight. If you have something to write with, go ahead and get that out. And I want you to ask yourself a question tonight. And I basically want you to write this question down. And ask yourself, am I a fan of Jesus or am I a follower of Jesus? See, because a fan does what fans do. What do fans do? They sit in the bleachers. They're not really a part of the game. They're not really in the game. They sit in bleachers. They're kind of keeping themselves at a distance. They respect the game. They keep themselves at a distance. They're eating uh, nachos, getting nacho cheese on their bellies. But they're not really in the game. They're kind of keeping themselves at a distance. And see, fans of Jesus do the same thing. They have this kind of respect for Jesus and go, man, I love the idea that Jesus, you know, died on the cross. Uh, I love the idea, you know, Jesus uh, has some cool hair. You know, I love his beard. He's got some rad sandals. Uh, I have a respect for Jesus. Maybe you even believe in Jesus, but you kind of keep your distance and you're like, all right, Jesus, I respect you, but I don't really want you messing with my life. I'll give you some Sunday mornings, I'll give you some Wednesday nights, I'll give you a week, a, a year at youth camp, but man, I'm, I'm going to be a fan, I kind of want to keep my distance from you. See, that's a fan of Jesus, a follower of Jesus is the exact opposite, a follower of Jesus says this, you know what, I was lost, met Jesus, now I'm found, I'm going all in. See, a follower doesn't keep a distance, a follower is all in, up close and personal, it's a relationship. A follower of Jesus says, I was lost, now I'm found, all in. I was an orphan, now I'm a child of God all in. I was dead, now I'm alive, all in. He is my king, he is my lord, he is my boss, he is my el jefe, he dictates everything in my life. It is a relationship, watch this, and anything that's going to get in the way of me following Jesus, anything that's going to trip me up as I follow Jesus must be gone. Do you see the difference there? A fan says, I'm going to keep my distance, I got to respect, I even believe in you. A follower is all in, up close and personal, radically changed. God makes his home inside of them. And watch this. They're willing to get rid of anything in their life that's going to trip them up as they follow Jesus. Here's the deal. Let me ask you tonight. Are you a fan of Jesus or a follower of Jesus? And if you hear anything, hear this at the very beginning. Jesus doesn't ask anyone to be his fans. Notice he doesn't say, hey, you want to be my fan? No, what does he say? Come and what? Follow me. He is calling for followers. And here is, I think, this scary thing, kind of intense up front. Here's the scary thing is that many of us, we are settling for being fans of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't ask anyone to be his fans. And if we're keeping a distance and we have a respect, but we are not in the faith. 
And I think what's going to be scary is many people are going to stand before the judgment of Christ one day as his fans, and we're going to tell all Jesus all the things that we did for him and all the things we were doing around him, and he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you, because he is calling us to be his followers. And so ask yourself that right now, am I a fan of Jesus or am I a follower of Jesus? Because followers is what Jesus is looking for. And I want you to see those two kind of people in Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 11, all the way down to 20. If you're with me, say, "Uh uh-huh. I want you to see Paul, who is a follower of Jesus, and then we're going to see these brothers known as the seven sons of Sceva. Turn to your neighbor and say, seven sons of Sceva. And they are fans of Jesus, so I want you to see some characteristics in them, and we're going to unpack the story Then I'm going to tell my story, um, and then we'll see what God does. Look at verse 11, and I want you to write this down. Paul was a follower of Jesus. Look at verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Who was doing it? God was doing it. Who was he using? Paul, because Paul was all in. Look at verse 12. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. What? So here's Paul, and they're taking handkerchiefs off of him, laying them on people. People are being healed. They would take his handkerchiefs. What do you do with a handkerchief? Like, you blow your nasty boogers in them, right? And you imagine, he's like, he sets the handkerchief down. They come and take the handkerchief. They lay it on a demon-possessed person, and according to the Bible, what happens? The demon leaves, right? The demon's like, these are some powerful boogers. I'm out of here, right? Like God was doing extraordinary things through Paul. Why? Because in Acts chapter 9, just a few chapters earlier, Paul has a conversion. And he begins to follow Jesus. And the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of him. And Paul is all in. And maybe tonight you're like, well, yeah, of course, that's Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was an apostle. He was amazing. But listen, Paul was just an ordinary person. Do you know what Paul was doing before he started following Jesus? His name was Saul, and he was persecuting the church. He was overseeing people's arrest. He was killing Christians. He was overseeing their death. And so he was just an ordinary person that was actually persecuting the church. Maybe you're here tonight, and you go, well, I don't think God could use me. I've messed up too badly. Well, chances are you've probably never killed Christians before. And here is the grace of God saving Saul changing his name, now he's Paul, following God, and God is doing extraordinary things through him. How many of you have ever felt like this before, that God can't use you because you're just ordinary? Anybody ever felt like that before? Anybody want to self-identify tonight as just an ordinary person? Anybody? Look, that's exactly who God uses you. I want you to write this down. God is not looking for all-stars. He's not looking for all-stars. He already has an all-star. His name is Jesus. He's just looking for ordinary people who will go all in and follow the all-star, Jesus. And God does extraordinary things through ordinary people every day who are all in. Are you ready to be all in? We're going to give a chance for that at the end of the night. What's holding you back? Maybe you say, man, my past is holding me back. Remember Paul's past, and now look what God's doing through him. How many of you ever felt like your past is holding you back? Anybody ever felt like you've messed up too bad and God can't use you? You know, Satan, we're going to talk more about him in a moment. 
the greatest tool that Satan often uses against us is our past, and he's always bringing up things. Is the enemy always bringing up your past, saying, hey, remember how you did this? God can't use you. Remember how you did this? The church doesn't love you. Remember when you did this? Man, you could never serve God. Hey, I want you to write this one down tonight. This one's for free. The next time Satan brings up your past, bring up his future. He is a defeated foe in Christ Jesus. And you have victory because Christ's victory has become your victory. His hope has become your hope. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Go all in. Follow him and be willing to get rid of anything that's going to get in the way of that. That's a follower of Jesus. The second type of person I want you to see now are fans of Jesus. We're going to spend a little more time unpacking that. Because I think the scary thing is, is in a room this size, there's two kinds of people. Fans of Jesus and followers of Jesus. Fans of Jesus don't really know him. They just know about him. Fans of Jesus really aren't in the family. They're just around the family. And I want you to see some characteristics of that. Look at verse 13. It says, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. So itinerant means they traveled around. They were Jewish. They were not followers of Jesus. They did not believe he was the Messiah. They were not born again. The Holy Spirit of God did not live inside of them, but they were exorcists. It was a money-making scam. What they would do is travel around, find somebody who was demon-possessed. Now, how did they know someone was demon-possessed? I doubt it was like Hollywood. I doubt the person was like, I doubt that, all right? But they would find someone who's demon-possessed, and then they say, you give us money, and we'll exercise the demon out of you, or we'll give you this trinket or this idol. And there were seven brothers that were sons of Sceva that were doing this. Seven grown men. Turn to your neighbor and say, seven grown men. That's going to be important. And they heard about what Jesus was doing through Paul, because Paul was a follower of Jesus. So they said, hey, we should take on that name and start using the name of Jesus. Look at verse 13. So then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, look at this, we adjure you by the Jesus, not whom we worship, not whom we follow, not whom saved us, but look at this, we adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. So they're saying, evil spirit, come out by the Jesus whom that brother knows, whom that brother follows, whom that brother worships. I want you to write this down. Fans of Jesus only know Jesus through other people. They don't have a relationship with Jesus themselves. Meaning this, is Jesus for you just whom your parents talk about? Is Jesus from you just who your pastor talks about? Is Jesus for you just whom your youth pastor talks about or your friends talk about? Or do you know Jesus? See, because here's the deal. Is one day you will draw your last breath. Not too long ago, I read a statistic, and the statistic said this, one out of one dies. We're not getting out of that, right? We will draw our last breath. We will stand before King Jesus. And listen, it will not be us and our pastor. It will be not be us and our friends. It will not be us and our parents. It will be us. Do you know Jesus? And if you know him and you're truly following him, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. And if you're just a fan of him, You'll hear the most nightmare statement of all time that will ring in your ears for all eternity. Depart from me. I never knew you. See, fans of Jesus, they're around the things of Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. Fans of Jesus only know about Jesus through other people because they don't have a personal relationship with following Jesus. Now let's continue on. 
So they say, demon, come out by the Jesus whom this brother preaches, whom this brother knows, whom this brother follows. Look at verse 14. Seven sons. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't forget, seven grown men. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Skaver were doing this. So they had a dad named Skaver, seven grown men, seven brothers. All right, they got facial hair. They're men, seven of them. Now look at verse 15. But the evil spirit answered them real quick. We're not in a game. There is a war going on, and it's a spiritual warfare, and we have an enemy. And this ain't a game. And our enemy is not the guy who stole our girlfriend in seventh grade. Our enemy is not our rival school. How many of you go to a school that has a rival school? That's not your enemy. I went to Lorena, small 3A school. We had a rival school. It was the hated Robinson Rockets. In fact, we had a chant for Robinson that went like this, two, four, six, eight, ten. Robinson women look like men. That was our chant. Couldn't stand them. That's not our enemy. But we do have an enemy. His name is Satan. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. And it's not a game. We are in a war. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, you have no protection in this war. You have no covering. And these guys are playing games. And here's the deal. Sometimes when you play games with the enemy, he's going to play right back. And I want you to look what he said. They said, demon, come out by Jesus whom this brother knows. And the demon answers them and says, Jesus, I know. I want you to write this down. The enemy is terrified of Jesus. See, the enemy's bigger than us, but he's not bigger than Jesus. This is good theology. Jesus and Satan are not equals. One day, Satan will bow at the feet of Jesus, right before Jesus throws him into an eternity of hell. That Jesus is king. And so they say, Jesus, we know. Why? Because they're terrified of him. Remember in James it says that even the demons believe in what? Tremble. Have you ever noticed in the Gospels that every time Jesus interacted with the demons, they never argued with him? Did you, have you ever noticed that? They always listened to him. Like one of my other favorite stories in Scripture is like this man is demon-possessed. Jesus comes on the scene. The demons freak out. They're scared. They say, Son of God, are you here to torment us before the judgment? And then they say, Send us into this herd of pigs. And Jesus says one word go. And what did the, the demons do? They went into the pigs, took off running, flew off a cliff, and drowned. Have you ever noticed that never did the demons argue with Jesus, but the disciples did all the time? And so they went. And maybe you're here tonight, and you go, well, I will believe in Jesus when pigs fly. They already did, bro. All right? Or you can say Jesus was the first one to make deviled ham. Boo, that was corny. That was corny. They're terrified of Jesus. So they said, Jesus, we know because we know the judgment's coming. And then they said, Paul, we recognize because Paul belongs to Jesus. And here's the deal. If you're a follower of Jesus, you do not have to fear the enemy because according to 1 John 4, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And one day the enemy will bow before your King Jesus. They said, Paul, we know, because he belongs to Jesus. But then look at this next part, because it's kind of funny. They say, hey, Jesus, we know. We're terrified of him. Paul, we recognize, because he belongs to Jesus. He's a follower of Jesus. But who are you? Now, verse 16. I love verse 16. Verse 16 is one of those verses you'll never see on a Christian T-shirt. You'll never see it on a coffee mug. You'll never see it on a desktop computer screensaver with mountains in the background. 
but it should be. That would be funny, all right? Look at verse 16. It says, and the man whom was the evil spirit leaped on them. Now, how many brothers are there? Seven grown men. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't forget, seven grown men. Seven grown men, one demon. One demon. Look at this. And the man in whom the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house. What? What does your Bible say? Naked and wounded. Listen, these brothers were naked and afraid before the Discovery Channel picked it up, right? Like, dude, all right, let's, let's, let's replay this real quick. Seven grown men, one demon-possessed guy. They say, hey, demon, come out by Jesus, not whom we know, not whom we follow. We're a fan of him, but Jesus, whom that brother knows, whom that brother worships, who that brother follows, and the enemy responds, we know Jesus, we're terrified of him. We know Paul, he's a follower of Jesus, but who are you? And then that one demon pounces on them, whoops them, tears them up. They get beat down to where they ran out of the house, seven of them, naked and wounded, out. It was like 14 cheeks down the road, Boom, right, gone. Now, let's just say this real quick. Like, I think this is biblical. You know, at school when a fight breaks out, what does everybody do? Everybody gathers around, right? And you're like, not me, I pray for them. No, everybody gathers around. And then after the fight's over, what does everybody argue about? Who won, right? You're like, man, I think Bubba won because Bubba had him in a headlock and was gnawing on his earlobe. You're like, no, I think Jim Bob won because Jim Bob had him by the ankles and was biting him like a chihuahua. Hey, listen, let's just settle this right now. It's biblical. Like, if you get into a fight and you go into that fight and you got clothes on and after the fight you're running away with no clothes on, bro, you lost, all right? You lost. You got beat down. You got tore up from the floor. There's no arguing. These guys got beat down. Why? This isn't a game. And the enemy, no matter how tough you are, the enemy is tougher than you are. No matter how big you are, Satan is bigger. No matter how smart you are, he's smarter. Man, this ain't a game. And if you're keeping Jesus at a distance, you're a fan of his, you are open for a beat down. And where's all the dudes at? Where's my brothers at? Where's all the guys at? Hey, guys, maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you go, listen, I don't need that Jesus stuff. That's for wimps. I don't need that. That's for wimps. I'm a man. Yeah, I live in the South. I'm a man. I got some facial hair. I drive a truck. I grill my own steaks. I kill my own dinners. I'm a man. Listen, he will beat you down. Where's all the ladies at? Maybe you're here tonight and you go, I don't need that Jesus stuff. That's for wimps. That's for weak people. I'm a woman. Hear me roar. I got some facial hair. No, I'm just kidding, all right? He will beat you down. This ain't a game. And Satan is very real. Hear me. There's two extreme views of Satan that we often take. There's some people who think Satan is always out to get them. They think there's a demon behind every crook and crevice. Do you know people like that? Where they blame Satan for everything. They almost give him too much credit. They're like, man, the devil's attacking me. My VCR broke. And you're like, no, bro, that thing's 30 years old. Don't give Satan credit for that. They're like, man, the devil is attacking me. My air conditioning broke. No, we're just spoiled Americans. You realize most of the world doesn't have air conditioning. 
But if we'd be honest, most of us fall in the opposite extreme, meaning this. We almost live our daily life as though Satan doesn't even exist. And hear me, he's out. He's after you. And listen, he's not a little red man. He doesn't have a little pointy tail with a pitchfork going around poking people. He's not a little cartoon figure. He's probably not scared of tax. Remember that song when we were little? And if the devil don't like it, he can sit on the tax. What? Sit on the tax. What? Like the Satan's like, no, not tax. Anything but tax. And did you realize this? He's not in hell yet. First Peter says he roams to and fro like a royal lion, seeking whom he may devour. As fans of Jesus, we have no covering in that, no protection. Look at verse 17. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, realizing this isn't a game. Eternity hangs in the balance. Both Jews and Greeks in fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was like so lifted high. How many of you want the name of Jesus made big in your life? Anybody want the Lord, Lord named Jesus lifted big in your life? Hopefully all of us. Well, this is how it happens. This is how it happens. They realized it wasn't a game. They went all in, started following. Look at this. And followers of Jesus, now let's go back and talk about followers of Jesus. They go all in, and they're willing to get rid of anything in their life that's going to get in the way of that. Look at verse 18. And many of those who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. Listen, that's what repentance is. Repentance is not just saying you're sorry. That's confession. Repentance is agreeing with God that the junk in your life is sin and agreeing that Jesus is better and repentance means a change of heart, a change of mind that leads to a changed lifestyle. If you've just prayed a prayer and your hope is in a prayer and there's no change in your life, there's no fruits of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you're a fan of Jesus, we should not be assured of our salvation. Assurance of salvation means that he saved you, he changes you from the inside out, and you're not perfect, but you're different. Repentance means your life should start looking different. Look at verse 19. And a number of those who practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. Notice, they did not sell their junk on eBay. They did not put it on Craigslist. They burned it, meaning this. Jesus is better than the junk. There's junk in my life that is going to hold me back. Jesus is calling me to follow him. He's calling me to go all in, and this stuff's going to trip me up. It's going to get in the way, and Jesus is better than the junk, so the junk must be gone. Look at this. And burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver, well over a million dollars today. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So how do we grow in our faith? How do we mature in our faith? As we follow Jesus, we go all in, and the Holy Spirit of God in us daily is making us more like Jesus and removing the junk in our life that gets in the way. So let me ask you this tonight. Are you a fan of Jesus? If you're a fan of Jesus, tonight is the night you need to surrender and become a follower of Jesus. Let me ask you this. What's getting in the way of doing that? If you're a follower of Jesus, what's tripping you up tonight? What are some things that need to be literally or metaphorically burned out of your life? Maybe for some of you, it's pride. You're so busy worshiping yourself making much of yourself, seeking popularity, that you don't even have room to worship Jesus because you're worshiping yourself, and that needs to be burned out of your life tonight. Maybe for you it's hatred. You don't even see the value of God in your life, and you harm yourself and cut yourself. You hate yourself. Maybe tonight you need to find your hope and value in Jesus Christ.
Maybe for you it's gossip. With the same mouth that you sing praises to God, you use that same mouth to tear others down, and that needs to be burned out of your life. Maybe for you it's a secret addiction. Maybe you're addicted at the things you're looking at on your phone, and you think no one knows. You have everyone fooled, but here's the deal. Is you can't fool the only one that matters, Jesus, and that needs to be burned out of your life. Maybe some of you it's an inappropriate relationship. Can we talk about that? How many of you know somebody who at one time claimed to love Jesus, claimed to follow Jesus, then they started dating the wrong person, and now that person's nowhere to be found now? How many of you know people like that? Isn't it sad? And so maybe, ladies, maybe you're dating that guy that you know you shouldn't be. Guys, maybe you're dating that girl you know you shouldn't be, and they're tripping you up. They're holding you back. And maybe tonight you need to get on your phone or get on your counselor's phone, and that inappropriate relationship needs to be burned out of your life, and maybe there needs to be some breakups for the glory of God tonight. And so, ladies, ladies, maybe you need to get on that phone tonight and say, hey, tonight I've chosen to follow Jesus. I'm going all in, and you call that dude. Listen, it doesn't matter if he's got a six-pack or not. Jesus is better than him, all right? Now, you get on that phone. And you say, listen, I'm going all in. I'm following Jesus. You're going to trip me up in that. You're going to make me fall. So according to Acts 19, I must burn you. No, I'm just kidding, all right? And here's the deal. We all, every single one of us has things that are tripping us up tonight. And that's keeping us from going all in. And here's the deal. As fans of Jesus will make promises to Jesus that they cannot keep. Fans of Jesus try to change themselves and fix themselves, and they can't. And I'm going to tell you now my story of how being a fan of Jesus almost killed me. How many of you have grown up in church, or you've been in church most of your life? If that's you, would you raise your hand? All right. How many of you are like me, um, church is somewhat new to you, or you became a Christian later in life? If that's you, would you raise your hand? That's me. I didn't grow up in church. I think a lot of people think because I'm a preacher, I came out of my mama's womb with the Bible in my hand going, turn or burn, turn or burn. I didn't, all right? I didn't grow up in church. In fact, the first time I stepped inside of a church building was a Thursday as my aunt's funeral. First time I ever stepped inside of a church building, I was 16 years old. The following Tuesday, the preacher who preached her funeral and a deacon from the church made an unexpected house visit at our house. Have you ever had a preacher show up at your house unexpectedly? It was a Tuesday night. There was a knock on the door. My parents were in the kitchen cooking dinner. They said, Shane, go see us at the door. I just got home from basketball practice. I went and opened the door. And true story, I panicked because we never had a preacher in our house before. So I opened the door, and I go, oh, it's the preacher. And slammed the door in his face. My parents go, what is he doing here? And I go, I don't know. And then they start hiding things. I'm like, Mom, those are the family pictures. And right then, he came in. And right there in the living room floor, he shared the beautiful gospel of Jesus, how Jesus lived a perfect life we could not live, took our place on the cross, was buried three days later, overcame the grave, and that if we turn to Jesus, place our faith in him, Jesus places his Holy Spirit in us, and that we can be a follower of Jesus, our sins are forgiven, he can give us hope and life and purpose, and both my mom and dad, right there in the living room on our floor, I was 16, both of them got radically saved and became followers of Jesus. It's amazing. I saw the biggest change in my dad. I saw the biggest change in my dad, because my dad's a good guy, but he's just an old country boy. He was one of those that you could have probably asked him if he was a, a Christian, and he would have said yes, because he lived in Texas. You know people like that? Like God, country, and guns, but lost. The first time I ever saw my dad cry 
was when I was 16, that night in our living room, when he surrendered all to Jesus. So that night, watch this, I became a fan of Jesus and repeated some prayer because they did, but it didn't mean anything to me. I just repeated a prayer because they didn't. Watch this. I believed in Jesus, became a fan of Jesus. Listen, you can be a fan and you can believe without truly being saved because of what he did in my parents' life. The following Sunday, we went to a church service for the first time. Now, let me talk to you about that. Those of you that go to church every week, when you see a guest or visitor come to your church, reach out to them, tell them your name, invite them to sit with you, walk them through the service, because I want to be honest with you, if we didn't grow up in church, we'd never been to church before, and we come to church for the first time, you all weird us out, because we don't know the rules and the process. I remember walking up to the church, and they handed me a bulletin at the door. I thought it was the Bible. I was like, this is little, because grandmama's Bible's big. You know grandmama's family Bible? It's like white, 70 pounds, got all the family names in it, or the naked angels on the front, or that weird picture of Jesus turned sideways where he looks like Ted Nugent. You don't even know what I'm talking about, right? And then they did the service and the band, much like, you know, the band that's going to come out in a minute, comes out and they go, all right, everybody stand up. We're going to worship Jesus. Now sit down. Now stand up. Now sit down. Now put your hands up. Now put your hands down. Turn around. Hug a neck. Kiss a baby. Up, down, up, down. It's like CrossFit for Jesus, you know? And then they did a baptism, and that really blew my mind because I'd never seen a baptism before. I didn't know what a baptistry was. And I was like, this church is legit. They got a hot tub up in here? What? And then I kept going, and it became a problem. Watch this. You go, it became a problem. It did for me because I learned how to play the game. See, fans are about games. And you know what I'm talking about. You know how to play the church game where you fake it. You come in, people ask you how you're doing. You're like, oh, I'm good, brother. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Be warm, be filled. Too blessed to be stressed. And you know your life does not match that away from the building. See, going into my junior year of high school, I started going to parties. But here's what's interesting is I went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every youth group, every D now, every youth camp, every revival. But in my junior year of high school, my trinity was not Father, Son, Holy Spirit. My trinity was chasing girls, partying, and playing sports. Junior year of high school, I started drinking alcohol. Went from drinking every once in a while to getting drunk on the weekends to getting drunk every day. I'd sneak liquor into my high school in my backpack. Going into my senior year of high school, just being honest with my story, I started smoking weed. Same progression every once in a while every weekend to get high every day. I was fighting because I hated myself and it's true what hurt people what hurt people. Start judging everybody else, gossiping about everybody else. It was just empty on the inside. I was addicted at the things I was looking at on my phone. I'd give myself away to any girl who would let me. You know what's embarrassing about that is I went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. Went to youth camp every year. And I did that from 16 to 21. Five miserable years. What was ironic about that is there were times I would go to church or I'd come to a youth camp, I'd hear a band play, I'd hear a speaker speak, and then we'd do a response time, much like we're going to do in a moment. I'd come down an aisle, almost identical to this, come up to a stage, it's identical to this, I'd get on my hands and knees, and I'd make God a bunch of promises. I'd say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm going to do better. God, I'm going to try harder. God, I'm going to fix this. God, I'm going to change. God, I'm going to stop doing this. God, I'm going to stop doing that. God, I, 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 I. What was I saying a lot of? I see fans are still dependent upon themselves 
but there's no power there. I'd get up, and what's interesting is that prayer might work for a day, might work for a week, might work for a month. Now, I think this is very relevant to the camp cycle we get in. But then eventually I'd run back to the same junk. Then the next church event come around. God, I'm sorry, I'm going to do better, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to really change this time. Run back to the same junk. Then the next church event. God, I'm sorry, I'm going to do better, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to fix it this time. Everything's going to be different. Run back to the same junk. Next church event. God, I really, really, really mean it this time because I'm going to read like 30 chapters of the Bible every day. And run back to the same junk. This never-ending cycle. This never-ending rut. It's what the Proverbs calls a dog returning to its vomit. This never-ending cycle. This never-ending rut. How many of you have ever felt like you've been in that same cycle before, that same rut, or you feel that way right now? If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Be honest enough. Look at that. So many of us. It's miserable, isn't it? It's suffocating. I did it for five years. People say all the time, the most miserable people in the world are those out there that don't know anything about Jesus. I don't think that's right. They don't know any different. The most miserable people in the world are those who sit in church services week in and week out, year after year, hearing about the hope of Jesus, hearing about the salvation of Jesus, hearing about the victory of Jesus and the freedom of Jesus, and they'll go, but where's my hope? Where's my victory? Where's my freedom? Because I'm stuck in this rut, and I hate it because you've never truly surrendered. See, you can pray all the prayers. You can fill out all the cards. You can get dunked in water. You can be a member of a church and still not know Jesus. But when I was 21, something different happened. We had a college service. Preacher preached. I don't even remember what he preached. Band played. I come down an aisle. I get on my hands and knees. I began the same prayer I prayed a thousand times. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to fix this. Everything's going to change. That night, something was different. It's like what the Bible says. Let those who have eyes see and let those who have ears hear. I could see how lost I was and I could hear the voice of God beckoning me. Felt this huge weight on my shoulders. Felt like as though my chest was going to cave in. Have you ever been under so much anguish you can't even catch your breath? And in that moment, my prayer changed. And hear me, it's been 18 years ago and I remember as clear as day, I said this. I said, God, you know what? I'm not going to try harder. I'm not going to fix this. I'm not going to change. Because, God, I can't. So unless you take over, unless you change me from the inside out, then this is who I am. I'm either going to die or I'm going to end up in prison or worse than any of that. I'm just going to fake it for the rest of my life as a big, fat, fake fan of yours. So, God, I give up. I quit. I surrender. I can't. And listen, friends, I think those two words, I can't, are sometimes the most beautiful words God can hear because the first step to knowing he can is knowing you can't. So, God, I give up. I quit. I surrender. You take over. And the moment I just gave up and quit and surrendered, I just felt this peace that surpasses all understanding come over me. I felt this weight lifted off my shoulders. It's like for the first time I could hear the voice of God in my life. I don't know about you, but God's never spoke to me in an audible voice. Because if he did, I'd probably wet myself and pass out. But it's like for the first time, I could hear the voice of God saying, finally, you're mine. You're going to follow me, and I will change you from the inside out. See, at the end of the day, it's God who changes. It's God who saves. And listen, friend, I'm not perfect. I mess up every day. And this is what I believe. You surrender once for salvation that when the Holy Spirit, now it's true salvation, not a fake form of salvation, but once the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, you are sealed to the day of redemption. Do you believe that?
But listen, every day is a surrender. That's what sanctification is. Today, Jesus is better. Sometimes every moment is a surrender. When temptation comes in that moment, you say, Jesus is better than the junk. Listen, I went down that night, lost, met the real Jesus, got up found to follow him to never look back. Went down that night, an orphan because of sin, met the real Jesus, got up a child of God to follow Jesus and never look back. That night I went down dead spiritually, met the real Jesus, got up alive spiritually to follow him to never look back. I went down that night a fan of Jesus, met the real Jesus, got up a follower of Jesus to never look back. And he is changing me daily from the inside out for his name, his fame, and his glory. How many of you tonight would say you are sick and tired of being sick and tired of trying to fix yourself? Anybody sick of that? Anybody feel like the harder you try, the more you mess up? Anybody sick of the rut and the cycle? Maybe you're here tonight and you go, Shane, I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to quit. Maybe most people would hear that and go, oh, don't quit. Don't give up. No, no, no. I'm here to tell you tonight, good, quit, give up, surrender, and let the love of Jesus find you right there. And know this, he loves you so much. He wants you just how you are, but he also loves you so much he ain't going to leave you that way. See, it's okay to not be okay, but it ain't okay to stay that way when Jesus is saying, come and follow me. So would you do that tonight? Would you say, Shane, I'm tired of the games. I'm ready to go all in. I'm ready to follow Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. We're not going to drag this out. I'm going to pray. The band's coming out right now. They're going to begin to sing. And the moment I say amen, I want you to stand up. And if you're here tonight and you say, Shane, I need this Jesus. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Shane, I've been a fan of Jesus, but now it's time to cross over and be a real follower of Jesus. Now's your time. Listen, I'm not saying you got to come and rededicate and recommit and all that. We're not looking for that. See, here's the problem is I think some of us are rededicating our life and rededicating our life and recommitting our life, and you've never truly been saved. Listen. You can't recommit something that you've never committed to begin with. You can't rededicate something you've never dedicated to begin with. Maybe tonight, instead of rededicating and recommitting, you need to truly be saved where the Holy Spirit of God comes to make his home inside of you and changes you from the inside out. That's your time tonight. So I'm going to pray and say amen. The moment say amen, I want to ask everyone to stand. The band's going to begin to sing, and the moment they begin to sing, you just tell the person next to you, excuse me, I'm going to follow Jesus. And you come down here tonight. If you're saying, Shane, I need to surrender to Jesus for salvation, he's calling me to follow him. I'm tired of the rut. I'm tired of the cycle. I'm tired of being a fan. I'm ready to cross over and be a follower of Jesus. Now is your time. Let me pray. The moment I say amen, you stand. The band's going to sing, and you begin to come right now. Father, you are good you're good all the time. We thank you that you beckon us and you made the way possible for us to know you and to follow Jesus. God, those tonight that need to cross over from fans to followers, God, would you draw them, give them the confidence and the courage to come. Those who have never even heard about you till this week, they would come. Those who last night saw hundreds pass by them to surrender to Jesus and they fought it, I pray that they would come right now. God, would you save tonight? 
would you transform lives tonight for your name, your fame, and your glory. And we pray this in the name above every name, Jesus, the name worth following through the power of the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, amen. Would you stand right now and you begin to make your way tonight saying now is the time to come and follow Jesus. Now is the time to make your way. People are moving. You come. Don't fight it. The first step of following Jesus is to come and to surrender to Jesus tonight. You're saying, that's me. I'm tired of the cycle. I'm tired of being a fan. Tonight is the night I need to follow. You come. Begin to make your way. You tell the person next to you, excuse me, now's the time. Maybe you say, I've never heard of Jesus, but I want this Jesus. You come. Come on. Thanks for listening. 